It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk Radio. The home of common sense. Welcome back to Talk Radio TV, the home of common sense, the place where you hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, unless, of course, uh, somebody else is saying it. Sometimes people come on here and talk absolute nuts of rubbish. Luckily, John Rental is here. He's not one of them. Uh, he and I continually argue about many things, but he's very much a straight shooter. He's been with us from the beginning. Now, um, have a listen to this, because last week, you might remember, we played you Boris Johnson's sort of foray into what I would regard as the sort of Saving Private Ryan stroke Schindler's List area of politics, uh, where he made a little video accompanied by some very nice Ukrainian-sounding music. Um, last night, he put out another video. This one was addressed to Russia. Russiani dostoni pravdoi. Voi dostani tovo, shtoboi uznats faktoi. The atrocities committed by Russian troops in Bucha, Irpin, and elsewhere in Ukraine have horrified the world. Civilians massacred, shot dead with their hands tied, women raped in front of their young children, bodies crudely burned, dumped in mass graves or just left lying in the street. The reports are so shocking and so sickening, it's no wonder your government is seeking to hide them from you. Your president knows that if you could see what was happening, you would not support his war. He knows that these crimes betray the trust of every Russian mother who proudly waves goodbye to her son as he heads off to join the military. And he knows that they are a stain on the honour of Russia itself. A stain that will only grow larger and more indelible every day as this war continues. But don't just take my word for it. All you need is a VPN connection to access independent information from anywhere in the world. And when you find the truth, share it. Those responsible will be held to account. And history will remember who looked the other way. Vash president of Vinyatia Vasavashini Voynik Prestupleni, no Yanye Vieru, Ston Diesfuit od Vashava Imini. Boris Johnson speaking in Russian. Yeah, um, very, very impressive. Very right? impressive. But I mean, there's no music on this one. So I think that's a much better idea because I think he listened to the people who perhaps said, you know, just don't ham it up too much. You want to send a message to the public uh, of whatever country, then by all means do it. But to kind of ham it up and make it into a sort of, you know, Saving Private Ryan monologue, you know, with people who may or may not be actors. I mean, it was just yeah. ridiculous, wasn't it? That's a much better one, I think. Well, I, th- I think this is, I mean, th- this is an information war. 
um, are, that surrounds the, the the war on the ground in Ukraine. Mm. And uh, you know, President Zelensky is uh, you know, has has been winning it hands down yeah. uh, from the start. Uh, but I think uh, good on Boris. I think he's 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 doing well, the he's, right. He's doing the right thing there. Russian's a very difficult language. I mm. studied it at school, gave mm. it up as soon as I could because right. it's too hard. But uh, yeah, I think I think addressing the Russian people directly uh, is is a good idea. I mean, I'm not sure how much effect it'll have. It'll be very difficult because well, it's rather Russian... interesting telling people to get themselves a VPN, which of yeah. course is what people do when they go to China, so that they can still get Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of an unfortunate use of Twitter. It seems to me. I mean, if you're going to go to China and do anything, don't just get on Twitter. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, what, what does he do next, though? You know, he's now done Ukraine. He's done Russia. What next? Is he going to do a, a video, a music video with Wham or something? <laughs> You know, that'll be the next one. Oh. Well, yeah, but he is a communicator, he and is. Uh, he's he's using he's using the communication skills, and uh, you know, much as it disturbs an awful lot of people who don't like Boris Johnson, uh, President President Zelensky has praised him to the skies uh, for his historic leadership, and it's true that Britain was uh, arming the Ukrainians uh, earlier than anybody else, and have you know we've been standing by them in in such a way that the Ukrainian people have noticed. Mm. And the final question for you, John, um, you wrote a piece earlier on um, about Tony Blair's uh, suggestion that Labour's massive defect is their link with the unions, which is kind of almost sacrilegious to say, isn't it? Well, it's, I mean, the it's... Labour Party was created by the unions, wasn't it? Well, created by the unions and and other socialist uh, groups, yeah. um, but the unions dominated the, right. the, the the founding of the party and and have have dominated it ever since. Right. Um, uh, but I, you know, it's always been a view of uh, of, of new Labour uh, people that the, the trade union uh, link needed to be reformed. Um, you know, I mean, the, but there are different... and there were those arguments about clause four, and that was all fine and dandy. But he's now saying that actually it's a defect. It's slightly different. You yeah, moved the dial slightly there. Well, well indeed, because there are because the, there are other um, you know of his supporters who don't agree with him. I mean, I spoke to a, a Labour MP who said it was self-indulgent drivel. Yeah. Um, well, he's still pretty unpopular with the parliamentary party, isn't he? Oh no, I think they would uh, they would have him back in a. A really? Flash. Um, but I don't mm. think the British people would. No, I don't think they would. Well, they all want him tried for war crimes, which I don't, actually, funnily enough. Uh, John, good to see you. Thank you very much indeed. John Rensel there with us from The Independent, Chief Political Commentator, reading stuff. An interesting piece about Tony Blair, which is a bit long. Um, but, I mean, that's not a criticism, by the way. Uh, but it just, you just have to take some time to do it. Uh, coming up, we'll find out what's gone wrong with the travel industry in this country. Uh, we'll be talking to Tonya Buxton later on as well. Also, Kevin O'Sullivan's here. Why did Prince Charles ask Jimmy Savile for advice? Now, there's a question. This is Talk Radio. Independent talk. Proper talk. News talk. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. With the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio on the day that everyone starts paying more national insurance to the government to save the NHS. I'll just say that again. Yeah, pay more money to the government to save the NHS. No, I don't believe it either. Uh, before you all start falling about laughing, you might want to consider just how much worse off you will be at the end of this month. Fuel prices rose faster in March, apparently, than at any other time in the history of road use. Petrol and diesel prices soared 11p and 22p a litre, respectively, despite the 5p cut in fuel tax ordered by Chancellor Rishi Sunak in a spring statement. This morning, despite the doom and gloom, though, we're celebrating, ladies and gentlemen, here at the home of Common Sense because... Uh, 
the uh, it's time to salute the two-year anniversary of Sir Keir Starmer as leader of the Labour Party. We will be looking at his record, cheering on his achievements, and looking forward to some bright new ideas for his party. <laughs> I didn't write that. Actually, I did write it, but I don't believe that either. Um, unfortunately, that will still leave us with two hours and 58 minutes of the show to fill. So we've asked the independent chief political correspondent, John Rental to come in and help us out. I'll be asking him about tensions behind the scenes in Downey Street, why Boris Johnson seems to have traversed over to diplomacy by video, because he's now put another video out uh, eulogising uh, why the Russian people should stand up against Vladimir Putin. What's he up to exactly? 0344 499 1000. We'll be examining what's gone wrong with our travel business. After two years of barely any business at all, it seems that the likes of British Airways and EasyJet have forgotten what to do. They don't seem to know how to do their jobs. Manchester Airport was descended into complete and utter chaos, and anyone with a ferry ticket with P&O looks like they're stuck at Dover for the Easter holidays. We'll talk to consultant Paul Charles. Tonya Buxton is here too, with her take on restaurants, printing how many calories you're going to be eating. And Kevin O'Sullivan is going to be telling us why the royal family appears to have made yet another blunder historically. Apparently Prince Charles sought the advice of Jimmy Savile when the palace PR machine couldn't cope with the antics of Fergie and Diana. We'll talk about divorce laws changing. We'll also talk to the Donna Harvey in California. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Now also on television, it is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it's time to say a very good morning to the Chief Political Commentator of the Independent, John Rental. How are you, John? <laughs> good morning, Mike. I'm now, what well. an auspicious day to have you in, because you are, of course, the standard bearer for uh, what I would call sensible Labour, um, <laughs> even though some people think you're a bit too much of a Blairite. But I spent a long time last night putting together a long list of the achievements of Keir Starmer in the two years that he's been here, <laughs> and I'm now yeah, going to present funny. them to you. Uh, <laughs> it is, in fact, a blank sheet of paper, as you might expect, because I can't think think of any of his achievements i'm sure you can tell me what he's done that's been good but i don't think he's actually achieved anything has he he's uh, he's transformed the image of the labor party uh, i think that's that was quite difficult i mean if you look at what the situation was uh, when he took over two mm. years ago uh, labor were 26 points behind the tories in the in the opinion polls yeah. uh, and now they're not uh, and I think that is a substantial, a substantial achievement. I mean, the politi- but they're still not really ahead of them, are they? They're still not really not ahead of re- a, one really, of the, no, one they... of the most unpopular Tory governments of all time. If, yeah. if you if you take the polls as they are, and the Labour Party still seem in, 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 incapable of getting well, ahead of them. Well, they're ahead, uh, but not not, by, not by enough. No. Um, uh, but that is a that is a huge achievement. I mean, one. I mean, as as Tony Blair said when he came to talk to my students the other day. You know, when you've when you've done something as seismic as as invite the British people to elect Jeremy Corbyn as prime minister, uh, it takes quite a lot to row back from that. Yes. And, uh, I think Keir Starmer has done a Is absolutely it, it fabulous be, job of doing that. Would it not be right to years. say, though, that, that Jeremy Corbyn actually was a bit of a blip in the sort of recent history of the Labour Party <laughs> in the sense <laughs> well, that, you know, a long blip. Well, quite a long years of blip. Well, yeah. But I mean, nevertheless, a blip, you know, the, yes. the Labour Party was resurrected by Tony Blair in sort of 1997. You know, they then led the, the government for several terms, three terms. Yeah. Um, Gordon Brown was then in charge. And then after all of that ended, there was a sort of a period where, like the Tories had when William Hague was in charge and Michael Howard was, oh, it was in charge. Oh, it was far worse than that. I mean, and it was all a bit sort of nothing, really. Yeah, but William Hague is a proper politician. Well, he's, well and, he is. could have could have been a prime minister. Well, he, he's, well he, he probably, um, if he was the William Hague of now rather than the William Hague of then, yes, in the same way that Ian Duncan Smith now is a far more substantial figure than he was then, wow. right? But um, I just think that, um, you know, Ed Miliband, while... 
a bit of a buffoon. It wasn't terrible. He wasn't awful. I mean, he wasn't like well, Jeremy he wasn't, Corbyn. Well, he wasn't like Jeremy Corbyn. He wasn't not Labour. That's what I mean. Uh, so, I mean Jeremy so, Corbyn is not is is not Labour in my view. No. Um, so so what I'm saying is is that he kind of railroaded the Labour Party into this cul-de-sac of, of horror. Yeah. But that was kind of I mean, in the brief history of this century of Labour. You know, he he doesn't for me. He doesn't sort of exemplify anything. Well, yeah, but it, it's quite a it's quite a difficult task to come back from that because. Uh, you know that really impressed uh, itself on the British people. They decided that the Labour Party couldn't be trusted. Uh, hence the trouncing of the twenty nineteen election. And yeah. So uh, I th- I think Keir Starmer's really difficult problem is always going to be the fact that he served in Jeremy Corbyn's shadow cabinet. Yeah. And, and Boris Johnson can always accuse him uh, of having uh, asked the British people to elect Jeremy Corbyn mm. as prime minister, and that's uh, that's going to be very very difficult. And Jeremy Corbyn is still in the Labour Party, isn't he? Uh, well, he's still a member of the party, but yeah. not a member of the parliamentary That's party, what I mean. which, is, which is a really odd situation. Well, it is an odd but situation, but the fact is, is that Keir Starmer, I think, if anything, uh, if you were to try and describe him, he's a bit of a sort of a dilettante when it comes to making decisions. He, well, do- he no, does. I don't think he that's does. Fair. Well, I think it I is, think... I mean, because he, he, he tries to please everybody. Yeah. You know, there are things going on in his party that's taken him a very long time to sort out. Like, like you say, he served under Jeremy Corbyn, so he yeah. obviously didn't have any ideological ob- objection to that. He'd rather have been in the, the shadow cabinet than not been in it for ideological reasons so i mean he doesn't strike me as a man of great principles well no, no i don't think that's fair i think he acted extremely quickly decisively and forcefully uh, to distance the labor party from the anti-semitism of the uh, that, that had been allowed to it took creep a while into, creep in. no he did it he did it straight away he acted uh, acted immediately uh and when you know for example when rebecca long bailey um, uh, endorsed uh, an anti-Semitic uh, comment in, uh, in in a newspaper, which happened to be the Independent. Um, he acted uh, he acted immediately in uh, in sacking her. Mm. Okay, but what else has Keir Starmer achieved? So you've come up so far in the first ten minutes uh, with one <laughs> thing which got him a little bit further ahead of the Tories than he uh, um, than he was before he took over. Well, and he's, he's changed. He's changed the party's rules, which is not not you know a forefront. Okay. It's, well, without going anywhere near, obviously, without going anywhere near the local elections, because we're, we're not able to do that. Um, in terms of elections, you yeah, know, he hasn't done, done, done very terribly, terribly yeah. well. Because no, even chose, in, in a lot of the by-elections that we've had, yeah. Labour have actually done worse than the Tories. Absolutely. I mean, he chose a stupid candidate in in Hartlepool yeah. and uh, and therefore lost the seat. Uh, I mean, a you know a Remainer retread MP. Uh, was a very bad choice yes. in Hartlepool. That was a, that was a seat which which Labour could have held with a decent candidate, yeah. as uh, Kim Leadbeater showed right. in uh, in Batley and Spen. Uh, so yeah, he's made mistakes. Mm. Um, it is very difficult to turn the, turn the party around, but mm. I think he's made a uh, he's made huge. And they progress. still have. I mean, the biggest problem they're going to have, I suppose, um, going forward, is this ridiculous business of defining what a woman is, which has become a much bigger story than it should have been. Yeah. And we've already had Wes Streeting actually come out on, on Julia's show, I think uh, he did. And yeah. so Gave a masterclass on how to answer that question. Rather amusing, well, exactly right. Rather amusingly, uh, thinking that his career now over because <laughs> Julie Hartley Brewer gave him a round of applause. You know, so that's the end of him. But you know, it is very straightforward. I mean, I actually did a, a, a piece with with a lawyer, uh, Francis Hall, the day after that, and I said, "What's the de- what's the what's the legal definition?" And all they have to say, "This is the legal definition of a woman." Yeah, and it covers it. Right? Uh, no, well, and I'd... any MP who doesn't know how to do that, in my view, shouldn't even be in Parliament. Well, I think I think it's a testament to the fact that uh, Keir Starmer's a lawyer uh, and a careful, sincere. Uh, yeah, but we don't man. need people he's like not, that. 
He, he's not. Politics. He's not a politician who gives a politician's answer, which is, uh, which is what. Well, how about a straight answer? We're, we're that's that's just why people hate lawyers because they can't give a straight answer. Because well, they, because these they things are complicated, to... Mike. And he no, was, I won't be he, gets, what, he no, gets tripped up no, by come the complexity. On, John. Defining what a woman is is not complicated. Yes, it is. It actually. really isn't. It really isn't. It's <laughs> an adult afraid. human female. Uh, well, except that uh, people are allowed to change their. Uh, gender identity. Yeah, but that's not the definition uh, that, of a woman. They can they can identify can live, as a woman. People can live as yes. as, as, as a woman or a man. Yes, they can if they wish. It doesn't make them a woman, right? The definition well, of a woman is an adult in your, human. Female. In your in your opinion, it's it not my opinion. But, no, uh, that's in, a fact. In some people's opinion, yes, it, but it, it lots does. of people. Some people think the moon is made of cheese. It doesn't make them right. <laughs> the point is, is that the moon is not made of cheese. If you want to define what the moon is, you don't go. That's a very difficult question because some people think it's made of cheese. Do you? I mean, that's effectively what they're all doing. No, that is. Is not what they're doing, Mike. As you perfectly well know, it's well, complicated. It is a complicated legal. Uh, well, it didn't used to be complicated. And Why is Keir it complicated St- now when it wasn't before? Keir Starmer lacks the, the the sort of politician's ability to navigate that. What's kind of he frightened of? And what are all of them frightened of? Why? The, why, for example, uh, when well, Yvette Cooper was asked what a woman is, and she is one, even she doesn't know. Well, and I know. she said, "I don't want to go down that rabbit hole." Well, but it is a but it is a rabbit hole, Mike. Yeah, I mean, they... it is it is people like you and and and, and people on on rival uh, radio stations uh, asking what they think is it's a, an open is, is goal. a gotcha question. Which it's is a, what, well, it's not a gotcha a question. Woman. They've made um, it into a gotcha question by being unable to answer it. Where's streeting, as you yes. said, dealt with it perfectly well. Yes. He hasn't been kicked out of the party for it. As far as I'm aware, he hasn't had you know bucket loads of obdure poured all over him. No, um, he, do- he doesn't. He's, he's, he's shown how it can be done, and he's still. A successful politician. And Keir Starmer made a terrible mistake at the start of all this when he was when he was ambushed uh, by 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 a reasonable question. Yeah. When he said he said it shouldn't be said that only women have a cervix, um, and that was uh, that that was. I a, mean, it's a, become a foolish and wrong thing to say. Right. I think. And also, when he said when he couldn't answer the question, can a woman have a penis? He couldn't answer it, and you yeah, kind well, of going. That's ridiculous, I do think though. There's a taste issue in that. Question. Well, there may well be, but the point is, it shouldn't be a difficult question to answer. And my problem, my, the reason that you know, here we are talking about Keir Starmer. <laughs> we spent two seconds talking about how he caught up in the polls, and ten minutes talking about you know whether he. Well, that's only because you, you're banging on about. Well, it, no, because it's the reason that... why they won't be voted for. We've now got a collection of, of women who have set up a, a political sort of campaigning group to yeah. say we will not vote for you unless you can define what a woman is. Well, but I think I think uh, I think Keir Starmer would be able to define what a woman is. Well, I think. Once, to, once he's had a bit of media training. My can ask his wife what a woman is. I mean, what does she think a woman is? I mean, he's got children. I mean, you know, how does it even get to this point in life if he can't define what a woman is? I'm sorry. And they're making it an issue, not us. I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah. I mean, if you kept coming in here and refusing to answer a question that I kept answer, asking you, I'd just keep asking it to you. Because yes. the easiest way to stop somebody asking a question is to answer it. Well, yeah, you, right? you do keep asking asking me questions about Keir Starmer's views on what a woman is. Right. Uh, well, which I'm not you... fully able to answer because uh, well, because, because I think he handled it extremely well, badly. He did indeed, and he needs to brush up on that. Yeah. My point about all of it is in the round. If he wants to become a uh, a proper candidate, an official candidate as prime minister of this country, those are the kinds of things he needs to work out because those are the yeah. kinds of things that ordinary people remember. They yeah. talk about it in the pub. Absolutely, right? and that's and, and that's street politics. Yes, it is, and and Boris Johnson understands it very well, which is why he he, he slipped it into one of the last uh, prime minister's questions. Yeah. He gave. I mean, listen, gave I, I give I give end. Rishi Sunak no uh, ground on this either, because he, when it was asked by by um, <laughs> Julia Hartley Brewer, he said, uh, "I agree entirely with what the prime minister said." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you go well, and, which bits? And, and he, <laughs> which bit and he said, it? "I don't, I can't remember exactly what the prime no. minister said, but I agree yeah. with it." 
Now, here's Richard, more, just moving away from Labour for a moment, more intriguingly, uh, I'm hearing a lot of stories, and you're with much more of your ear to ground than me in Westminster, um, many stories about this kind of rift between Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson, not least driven by the fact that Sunak was kind of telling lots of people that he might be the next Prime Minister. I'm now told that, in addition to his own problems, Boris is trying to make life as difficult as possible for him, trying to make him oh, as unpopular well, as possible, <coughs> so that you'll never ever become prime minister. Well, I'm not sure if that, I'm not sure if that is quite how uh, Boris Johnson would would see it, but he certainly he certainly was spooked by the fact that uh, that Rishi Sunak was for some time the most popular politician in Britain, yes. and uh, therefore the obvious choice if the party needed a new leader which right. which briefly it seemed as if it was on the verge of well we were very close to that it, it, i well, mean people say to me close. you've gone very soft on boris i'm like well not really it's just at the moment for when he should have yeah. gone has gone yeah and absolutely. he's not going to go now he's is not, he? no he's not but i mean but if you if you go back i mean that's i mean that is why boris uh, promoted liz truss as, as foreign secretary because right. he, he wanted a counterweight in the cabinet but uh, she's to, been a bit to, disappointing, to hasn't she? I mean, she was doing better when she was negotiating sort of post-Brexit trade deals and suddenly they put her into the Foreign Office. Yeah. And it looked like it was a bit too big for her. Well, yes, but uh, it certainly built her up a, a bit and for a time she was the darling of the uh, of the Tory party membership mm. um, and therefore a counter a counterweight to, to Rishi Sunak. Yes. Um, and that's, that's how a, 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 a political party leader... Uh, deals with their um, deals with 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 that sort of jostling. You, yes. tr you try to you try to balance people up so they they slug it out with each other and therefore don't come for you. No, quite. And the day to day, of course, being quite an important one because for most people, and I know there will be some who say, well, not everyone's having to pay more, but most yeah. people will now be paying more national insurance. Most companies will, small companies particularly, will be hurt by this yeah. because they employ maybe twenty people yeah. um, and they've suddenly got a much bigger bill. This is Absolutely. a massive uh, watershed moment, isn't it, for, for well, Boris Johnson? It is, but it's turned out to be a slightly different watershed moment from the one we thought it was mm. I mean I, th I thought it was going to be a new Labour type uh, moment where you know in, in 2000, 2002 Labour put up uh, national insurance to pay for the NHS uh, and uh, that was actually popular uh, and we thought that, uh, th that Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak were doing the same thing but, but Rishi Sunak has taken fright mm. and actually he's withdrawn most of the increase so, yeah. so people are going to pay, pay higher national insurance for three months right. until July when he's going to raise the national insurance thresholds, which means that 70% of people right. are actually going to end up being better off than they are now. So why didn't he make a song or dance about that? Because instead of, I mean, his, his delivery... Because it would have looked like a U-turn. Well, well, I suppose it would look a bit cynical. But, I mean, the idea that he did this, you know, I'm not um, taking just one penny off, not two, <laughs> not three, and I'm going, oh, he's going to take a pound. Five pence! And you're <laughs> yeah. kind of going, really... I mean, we've just seen the figures today that prices went up by 11p and 22p, respectively, for yeah. petrol and diesel, uh, including taking 5p off. So, I yeah. mean, it was a pointless activity, wasn't it? Well, no, I mean, it could have been 5p higher, and I think people... Yeah, but the, I mean, I mean, nobody would have yeah. noticed is, is, is the bottom line. Well, you know, I mean, we'd be better off, say, doing something like taking VAT off home fuel, wouldn't he? Or home heating. That kind well, of except that, that, I mean, he quite rightly won't do that because that benefits um, rich people in, in bigger houses who have who've, Well, it benefits all, everyone, you know. Let's... Yeah, but it benefits rich well, people really. Well, not really. Not, not um, really. So what he, was, but, but what he didn't want to do was, was give people help through universal credit because that, would have been, uh, that could have been presented as welfare mm. uh, by, uh, by the right-wing press. Right. 
Um, I don't know why he's so, well, so scared of the right wing press. Yeah, I don't know why he's so scared of uh, other people in the party as well, because that's what he seems to be. I mean, you can't be a chancellor and be nice to everybody, and you can't be a chancellor and be popular, I'm afraid. So I well, think he, that's where he first got it wrong. Well, he could be for a very long time, because the furlough was extremely popular. Well, that's because he was giving money um, away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and everybody knew that you know, at some point there would be a reckoning. And I thought, I thought people would understand that. They would understand that the furlough was a good scheme, but mm. eventually it would have to be paid for. And as long as it was paid for in a fair way... I think I thought people would would go along with that, but actually, I, the way that Rishi Sunak's handled all this yeah. is has been to squander the uh, the political capital. He's he literally snatched uh, defeat from the jaws of yeah. victory. Yeah, I mean, he? I mean, we saw that there, there's that poll of uh, Conservative Party members, um, which is not not uh, not 100 percent accurate. I mean, it's quite volatile. But I mean, he's gone from from near the top of the table to second from bottom. Yes. I mean, only only Pretty Patel in the cabinet is more unpopular than he is with Tory I think that's members. why she's there, isn't she? Just to make sure that she's uh, she's that nobody else is ever the most unpopular <laughs> cabinet member because she just has to be it every time. Well, there's quite a turnaround for her as well. I mean, she's always been unpopular with the public. But yeah. She she used to be quite popular with uh, yeah. Tory party members, but not anymore. Well, because she hasn't really been able to deliver on anything no. whatsoever. And I mean, if you believe that they're all going to uh, be shipping people off to Rwanda anytime soon, yeah. you know, I've got some swamp land <laughs> in Florida to sell you. Uh, but John Rental is here. Coming up, we're going to listen to another one of Boris Johnson political um, dip diplomatic videos. He's done one about Russia now. We'll hear that coming up. Uh, this is Talk Radio. We'll take your calls as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Graham. A hollowed out volcano of common sense. Listen on your smart speaker. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is, of course, the home of common sense, as you well know. And I've got a little message for you this morning. We've got lots to do. We've got many things to talk about. But right now, I just want to remind you of our crusade, our campaign, what we've been doing for the last seven uh, days or so. Uh, after we got a phone call from one of our listeners and viewers who had trouble visiting his own son, uh, who had attempted his own life uh, in a hospital uh, in the northeast of this country. He wasn't allowed in for more than one hour a day. Uh, the boy's mother was not allowed in on the same day because they can only have one person per day for one hour per day. Uh, we have been pushing and pressing for this to be improved. We are now in touch with MPs up and down the country. We spoke to Tom Hunt yesterday, uh, who's up in Ipswich. We've already had some success in Yorkshire, where people are now being allowed in to see their relatives, people sometimes who they have not seen for a month or more because of COVID rules being still imposed on families grieving families in some cases, many people having not seen their loved ones, having not seen uh, their sick children, having not seen their dying mothers or fathers or husbands or wives, people who need to be given help, who need to be given succour, who know that they want to be with their people who they love, with their family members. They should not be being prevented by NHS trusts. They should not be being stopped by doctors, by nurses, by overzealous security guards. That should not be happening. And we are determined here at Talk Radio TV to stop it from happening. So we want you to help us today. Continue to give us your stories. Continue to let us know how it's going. And if you have had success, as we have recommended that you do, by writing to your MP, by writing to the Health Trust and making sure that they give you a good reason why they are stopping you from seeing somebody you love, you tell us about it. We tell everybody else. We will deliver all of those complaints of yours to Sajid Javid, the Secretary of State for Health. Because we believe here at Talk Radio that it's time to change this nonsense. Covid is no longer the threat that it was. 
People should be allowed into hospitals to see the people that they love. It's as simple as that. And we will not stop until we succeed. This is Talk Radio. Now, let us talk about something else this morning. Paul Charles is here, Chief Executive of the PC Agency, because um, looking around uh, Easter holiday time, you would begin to wonder whether anybody here knows how to run a holiday company. We've got airlines cancelling flights. We've got ferry companies going under. We've got ferry companies so full they can't take any other people from the ferry company that went under or was stopped from operating because it was being operated by people uh, who didn't know what they were doing. We've also got trains that don't run. We've got tubes being shut down. It's an absolute ridiculous scene. My suggestion is going to be to Paul Charles. Maybe some of these companies have actually forgotten how to do it. Paul, a very good morning to you. (laughs) <laughs> good morning. Mike. Long time no Thanks see. You. Now, you and I used I'm to speak an awful lot more than, than, than we have recently. I'm delighted to see that people are going on holiday. But, I mean, you're looking at Manchester Airport, or Heathrow. It's almost as though they don't want anybody to come and do business with them. You couldn't make it up, could you? The irony of the fact that we are sort of post-COVID, albeit lots of people have it, including myself, by the way, here yes. at home. Um, but... The irony of the fact that we're in this post-recovery, post-COVID stage when everyone was optimistic about the demand and the demand is there and the fact that companies can't now deliver. They were warned in December last year by the World Travel and Tourism Council of a job shortfall of 200,000 people. That was in December. So you would have thought CEOs and bosses of airlines, train companies, etc., would have started recruiting at that point. But, of course, they were really worried about doing that because they couldn't quite see the end of the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the recovery. So they didn't recruit. And this is why we're in a bit of a mess now. Well, this is the thing. And I mean, we understand that there are uh, difficulties in sort of getting back up and running, but it hasn't been a sudden shift. It hasn't been suddenly, oh, my God, Easter holidays are here and we haven't really had any time no. to prepare because it's been a gradual kind of increase, hasn't it? I mean, I myself yeah. managed to get away to America back in February. Finally, going to see my mother. You'll be pleased to know. Um, and, and, it was, and it was a relatively easy thing to do. Um, and I, I failed to recognise what it is that's, that's stopping the airports from, from operating even though they've still got probably fewer people than they had a couple of years ago? Well, one of the big issues in the sector is they simply can't find the people. So a lot of those who were working in travel and tourism during the pandemic were made redundant, of course, early on, uh, back in 2020, Mm. or they were put on furlough. And they had a really bad, understandably, a really bad experience during the pandemic due to the stopping and starting of travel and tourism and hospitality. So across hospitality, travel and tourism, you saw a huge swathe of people leaving. Literally hundreds of thousands of people left the sectors. And they went to areas like IT or online retail, which had deemed safer during a pandemic period, where they felt they could get more money and not have to worry about being made redundant. So you had that huge shortfall, that huge gap, and it just hasn't been able to be filled. So... You know, to be fair for a moment to the airports and the airlines, etc., they just haven't been able to find people when they are recruiting. Mm. And then when they have found someone, they haven't been able to get them security cleared in time. And that's been one of the big issues, of course. If you work in the aviation industry, you have to get your security clearance. And the government is simply not processing those as quickly as they yeah. should be due to the huge uh, number of people applying for security yeah. passes. So probably once again, then, it comes down to the inadequate civil service that we've got in this country. Most of them are still bloody well working from home. Well, uh, like driving licences, like passports, 
passports. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There's clearly a, a backlog and people are not set up when they're working from home to mm. deliver the quality of service you'd expect. Yeah. But it's not just a problem here. I was just looking at some numbers for you, Mike, that have just come in mm. from, from Syrian, the data people. And they say that if you look at France, then their cancelled flights are up 204% in the last week. If you look at Germany, their cancelled flights are up 69%. And if you look at Spain, theirs are up 164%. And so what's the percentage here? The for the UK. What's oh, the percentage much, here? Yeah, that's a good question. It's much higher. It's 428 you see, you see, you can't fool me with figures, right? You know, I can tell when anybody goes to percentages, uh, it's because the numbers are too small. Uh, but our percentage is how much again? Just say it again. Well, much higher. But don't forget, we have more. Uh, 400 what? 468%. There we go. Out the UK. So actually, know, the European situation is not as bad as ours. Well, it's not quite as, but no, it's not as no. bad. Um, it's a simple, and our COVID simple situation note. is probably worse, but no, you're right. But it is clearly an issue across Europe yes. in terms of staff shortages as well. No, I get that. I get that. But I also wonder whether uh, some of the airlines are operating um, a sort of post-COVID, pre-COVID confused situation because we've got a lot of people from EasyJet, for example, being uh, tell we're, we're being told by EasyJet that a lot of their flights are being cancelled because people have got COVID. Now, as far as the government is concerned, there is no requirement for anybody to be off if you've got COVID in the same way there's no requirement mm. for you to be off if you've got a cold. So yeah. they've taken a view that they must send people home, but maybe that view needs to change. I, I'd agree. Um, and, uh, you know, having experienced COVID myself, I, I, it is like a cold, uh, luckily. I know mm. not everybody has it that way. Right. And obviously, you know, some people get it much worse. But it is like a cold. And we've got to learn to live with this at the moment. And, you know, rather than being off for 10 days, maybe you're off for three days uh, until you're less yeah. infectious. Yeah, I mean, certainly nobody needs to be off for 10 days. There is no, no requirement to do that. And if it's damaging your company, this is my, my point about I don't understand why they're running their companies this way. It's damaging their companies because if you're an EasyJet customer, as I've been many times, if you think there's a chance they're going to cancel your flight, you're not going to book with them. No, absolutely. And it's affecting their brand reputation yeah. and it's affecting, you know, there's no there's no real loyalty among flyers these days. No. They will just move across to where the cheapest price is exactly. or how they can get from A to B. But the sad thing is, I mean, the good news for the UK is that actually the staycation industry will do really well out of this because people just will put off going abroad and they will they will opt to take holidays here in the UK because they know they can get there. But it's not helping the airlines at all. And of course, this is all at a time when you've also got rising oil prices and the cost of a ticket is much higher. So people are starting to think, mm, shall I go away? Shall I book that ticket? Mm. And it is hurting them. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And also I was reading this morning um, about uh, the problems they've had at Dover. I mean, people were waiting apparently nine hours at Dover to get across the channel mm. over the weekend. Um, apparently people who have got tickets with P&O ferries are finding it difficult to get those tickets honoured on other ferry services because they're all full. Yes, and this is another thing that's happening. I mean, you've got a mix of things going on in the industry at the moment. But one of the uh, consequences of the P&O disaster caused by themselves, of course, is that people are switching to planes. So they're moving across from the ferries to the planes, and that's putting further pressure on airlines to operate flights that they haven't got the staff for. So that's why there's extra concern among consumers mm. that, in fact, their flights won't be running because of the staff shortages. So yeah. you've got a cocktail of issues at the moment, which is at the wrong time, just before Easter, um, propelled by COVID issues, propelled by staffing shortages, and, of course, not helped by the rise in, in costs. Mm. I just wonder as well, though, Paul, if they have, I mean, I genuinely mean this, 
forgotten how to sort of operate efficiently because people have become so used to going, oh, I'm not coming in today because, you know, I'm working from home, I'm feeling a bit peaky, blah, whatever. You know, and some people are saying, oh, well, you must expect some disruption. Well, sorry, no, I don't expect disruption. If I'm paying five grand to take my family on holiday, I don't expect disruption. I expect the service to be delivered. I don't expect to turn up at an airport and wait in line like some kind of chicken being exported to, you know, some country in Europe, you know, in an, un, in an inhuman way where I've got to wait for hours on end uh, and then say thank you very much indeed. Uh, can I give you some more money? I think you make a fantastic point, and this is at the nub of the debate, really. Um, because so many talented people have left the travel and tourism sector and mm. other industries, you've got maybe people coming in at short notice, trained very quickly, haven't got the depth of experience, don't understand customer service as well because they don't have the knowledge or the experience, and you, you just haven't got the quality of senior management that you might have seen in the past pre-pandemic. You're absolutely right, Mike. I think these are fundamental issues facing quite a few sectors, not just travel and tourism. The staff simply aren't there in the droves they used to be who have the quality and experience to deliver a fantastic customer service. So, yeah, I'm afraid we, we are suffering. Everybody's suffering as a result when we travel. And here's an interesting uh, a tweet that I've got here from Jay, who says, my daughter applied and was successful for a security border force job at Manchester Airport. Uh, she's been on the waiting list for a start date since the 4th of January. Well, it's now the 6th of April. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone is I think quite a few sectors and we go back to the civil service as well are struggling with just not having the right capabilities or the right numbers to deal with applications to to process things that were held up during the pandemic and now we're paying the price yeah. as i say but a lot of it's irony, kind of self-inflicted though isn't it yeah but the irony is that we had issues during the pandemic of course but we seem to be having greater issues post-pandemic coming out of it yeah. as we try to rebuild even though the demand is there from consumers to, right. to travel well this so, is it i mean this is what we all said during the lockdown you can't just switch the economy off and expected to switch back on again and you're in the same place where you were. You know, it's a bit like, you know, going to the pits in the Grand Prix. You know, when you come back out again, you're not in the same spot as you were. Yeah, and, and I think we're suffering consequences, not just the pandemic, but potentially Brexit, that we're looking, you know, we're now feeling those Brexit issues starting to emerge among companies and shortages of staff because so many people have left to go to another country and, and kept out in the UK. Well, don't worry, we've got plenty of people coming in. Why don't you give them some jobs? Well, if they can get in, because there are so many cancelled flights. But yes, uh, well, no, the one, you know, I'm talking about the ones that are coming on the boats. You give them some jobs. I mean, you can put them all to work. That would be the simple answer. I'm full of ideas. I'm full of answers, but nobody wants to take me up on them, Paul. You should be in government. Mike. I should. I should. They can't afford me, unfortunately. But Paul, thank you very much indeed. Paul Charles, there, uh, reporting in from the PC agency, the chief executive. There is a massive problem if you're trying to get anywhere at the moment, right? If you're trying to get anywhere, and I don't just mean on holiday. I mean anywhere trying to get in, in a car and drive around the M25 or drive up to Manchester or Liverpool or Newcastle, try to get a train somewhere. Oh, don't worry about that. We've cancelled the trains because why? We haven't got enough drivers. What's going on? Why are people not actually able to do their jobs anymore? Are we now a country where nobody knows what they're doing? Apart from me, obviously. But there does seem to be a bit of that going on, doesn't there? 0344 499 1000 is the number. You need to call us. You need to call us right now. This is Talk Radio.
Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham on the very day that everyone starts paying more national insurance to the government to save the NHS. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it either. Can you imagine how much of your new uh, independent money is going into the NHS to solve the kinds of problems we've just been hearing about? We've just heard from two people, both in the same town, in Oxford, one of whom uh, has had a problem with his mother, who's been kept in hospital for too long, uh, wasn't seen when she was supposed to be seen, wasn't given an operation when she was supposed to be given one, they messed around with the dates. We had the other guy who's uh, injured his leg playing football, can't get to see a doctor because they said they referred him to somebody, and when he finally got there, they said, we've never heard of you. I mean, it's unbelievable. One of them's got a free Zimmer frame that they don't need. He can't walk. I've suggested they get together, he gets the free Zimmer frame, and then Bob's your uncle. It's a sort of DIY NHS. That's how we are now going. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Meanwhile, uh, over in the, the world of airports, you can't actually get in or out of an airport because there's not enough staff to deal with it. People are being sent home still because they've got COVID. You can't get on a plane because people have got COVID. You can't get on another plane because people have got COVID. You can't get on a ferry because other ferries haven't got any room on them. Is there anybody actually who remembers how to do their job after the pandemic? I think that's the British problem that we are now suffering from. Sonia Buxton is here to help us with it. She'll talk to us about calories. She'll talk to us about daffodils. She'll talk to us as well about where all this money's going on COVID now. Because COVID is here, but it's kind of not, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham's Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Very good uh, day to you, Tonya. How are you? Good morning. And before we do anything else, I just want to hand these over to you. Can these I hand look them? These amazing. Are, yes, please. These are orange and fig muffins. There we go. I've now, made, they're not just for you, they're for the team too. I've made well, them I, before. I, even I can't eat six of them. Yeah. I mean, they are wonderful. <laughs> you, these are homemade. I did. I made, I made them yesterday. I haven't made you anything for a while, so you I thought it was about That's time true. that I made these you something. Look at that. These are fantastic, by the way. Um, you made these turmeric ones once yeah, before. Yeah, they've got turmeric um, in them and, and black also pepper. The one, my favourite ever one that you made, it was one with chilli and something. Chilli and feta. Yeah, those okay. are incredible. Next time, those that's what amazing. I'll bring you. Yeah, fantastic. Let's talk right. about uh, why the world doesn't seem to work at the moment, because there seems to be an awful lot of things that aren't working, and everyone's blaming COVID. Uh, it's just... Right? You know, I wanted to just come here and sit in your common sense republic for a while. So I've stopped just screaming all the time. What is going yeah. on? You know, people are really suffering. Their bills, they're not... 50% more money is being laid out by people that they just don't have. And yet the government are just getting burning money again yeah. for reasons that we sh should not be spending money. You know that I didn't agree with the money that they were spending mm. on COVID. No. The frittering away of furlough. billions and furlough and trillions now that went out, which we didn't agree to. We didn't say, do this. Yeah. I never, and we now, in hindsight, oh, hindsight, I didn't, we, you didn't need hindsight. I didn't need hindsight when we knew that paying people to stay home and not work was going to do some terrible things yeah. to our society Funny and our economy. That everybody's now woken up to that. I actually read something the other day where someone said, oh, do you think that uh, it's possible that children have been damaged in some way by being locked away uh, from their friends and not being allowed to go to school? Hello? I mean, you and I have been talking about we that for, what, been, two years? It's not just talking, Mike. We've been screaming about it. And we've been called names yeah. and granny killers and all the horrible things that people have decided to call us during this period. And now suddenly, everyone's turning. Now, I'm, I'm happy with the turning, but we've got to stop the madness. Yeah. Why are the government still giving money for COVID? Hmm. 
that millions and millions of pounds are still going into COVID testing, going into private companies for testing of COVID. Right. It needs to stop. Do we do that for a cold? No. And now that COVID has every symptom known to man, I mean, you know, have you got a cat? Could well, be COVID. I don't know if you saw my little video yesterday. Basically, <laughs> every single thing that you can have wrong with you means you've got COVID. Exactly. But I mean, you know, that's ridiculous, obviously. It's... The other thing that somebody pointed out to me yesterday is why did the NHS not use a bit of smarts and say, right, look, we've got all these tests that we've paid for. Mm -hmm. You can come and get a test from us, but you'll have to pay for it. But instead of it being 100 quid through some private firm, yeah. we'll charge you 20. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, then, then you could have got some money back. People would have felt better about it. Instead, they've just shut down all of those testing centres that were there. And now they've just lost all the money. But I go further back than that. I mean, I, un I don't understand what the big rush was to go and spend all this money no. on tests and right. all of this. When we very quite, quite quickly on realised what type of virus it was. Yeah. And we didn't need to keep spending this type of money on tests. Mm. And you know how I feel about the plastics. I mean, it's just, it's blowing my mind. Oh, I know. Like, it's just blowing well, my mind. I don't know if you heard our last caller who was talking about in, in the hospital where his mother was being held. They've got this mask dispenser, right? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But of course, being the NHS is not very good master dispenser. So when you pull one out, about four fall out on the floor. And that's the end of it. And they go into the sea. Yeah. Or into the river. Absolutely. Or into some other place that yeah. shouldn't have them in there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. And it's like common sense does not to see, seem to prevail at all. People have lost their minds. They've mm. gone insane. And yes. we need to bring sanity back into our normal living. Huh. We weren't like this two years no. ago. We also, weren't. To go back to the EasyJet British Airways scenario, and I'm sure there are other airlines as well, um, laying, sort of not laying people off, but telling people to work from home, go home because um, you've got COVID or you've been in touch with somebody with COVID. Well, so what? So I what? I mean, how many times have you got on a plane 
right, in the old days before COVID, and somebody's sitting there blowing their nose. Or coughing, coughing all over you or whatever, yeah. You know, some kid was sick. You know, I mean, you go in the bathroom and you see something pretty disgusting. You know, planes are a bit like the tube. They're sort of, you know, metal tubes full of germs. Absolutely. You get on it and you probably have immunity to most of them, so you don't really expect to get sick. Um, unless they give you some really bad food. But, you know, so why are these why? people not working? I don't understand it. I mean, I would have thought the travel industry really wanted to just get back up and well, instead yeah. of sending people home constantly. Where is it coming from? Who at the top is saying, right, if you've got snivels, go home? Mm. Who is saying I that? Know. And, and for what reason? Yeah. And the reality is, is everybody's going to get COVID at some stage. Yeah. It's going to be like the common code. Hold. Everyone's going to get right. it, and especially now, it's it's kind of mutated down to this very well, mild. Well, I wouldn't mind knowing variant. now what percentage of the population have actually had it, because it must be pretty high. Must be must pretty be, high. Right? And the thing is that you know teachers are still not going into school because they've got COVID, because they've got the snivels. Kids are still being sent home from school because they've got no one to teach them. Mm. After this two years of that has, and we know the damage it's done to children, and the best place they can be in school with their friends, yeah. learning in an environment that's that's safe and happy for them. And yet they're being sent home. And this is what, what's making me really cross. And especially now that we've looked at the COVID inquiry, that doesn't even mention children. No. There is some um, action going on there, isn't there? People are trying to get that to be... Uh, Absolutely. I think, in fact, was the today's, day not, a, today's, today's the last day, isn't it? I think tomorrow night is the last day, or, today's, or mm. tonight the, is the last day, that you need to go to the COVID inquiry. If you don't know how to get there, please go to the togetherdeclaration.org. Yeah. And, um, we'll stick they, a tweet out on that front. Yes, so we'll stick a tweet out. So, so, and it also helps because it's quite a long form and it's quite mm. difficult to fill in. And they give you lots of techniques of how to fill it in yeah. to make sure that you're having a COVID inquiry. How can you not mention children? I know. How can you? The obesity rates of children have gone through the roof. Yeah. The mental health of children has gone down to the ground. Mm. And they don't even mention, mention children. The next generation is ignored. No. Their suffering and there has are been still ignored. Where they're wearing masks, right? Yes. They're still wearing them in some places. There are many schools that are still wearing masks. Amazing. It's It's an obscenity. I know. Now, speaking of children and madness and mm -hmm. the craziness of uh, the world that we now live in, what about this daffodil story? Oh, my goodness. Right? I'm, I'm reading it now. They, I mean. <laughs> what's happened Why, you know when you want to jump up and down go, what's it, wrong with you they've cut down the daffodils because they're worried that children are going to eat them yeah, that sounds really sensible. It's a local council, isn't it? Where yeah. I mean, at this it's time of year, council, one of the things it, yeah. that's always worth looking forward to so beautiful, is, yeah. you know, walking through a meadow or yeah. walking through a public park and there's daffodils sprouting out of the yeah. ground everywhere, even in the side of the road sometimes. It's just nice to see them, right? Absolutely. So, so they've got rid of them all. St. Blaise, uh, uh, Blaise Town Council yeah. in Cornwall right. have said that they're going to cut them down so the children don't eat them. I mean... I don't understand. I mean, I remember my children going to school and them being giving, given bulbs right. to grow. Yeah, we used to get that. We used to grow them at yeah. school. And the person that, whose bulb grew nicest and they watered yeah. best would get a little prize. Right. I mean, there was never, I never remember when my six-year-old was doing this, mm. uh, a little note saying, by the way, don't let your child eat don't the death. I mean, what is that about? Right. It's a bit like those bags of nuts, isn't it? Where they have the warning on the may contain nuts. And you go, well, it is actually a bag of nuts. So I'm pretty sure I would know that there were nuts in it. But again, this is the state overstepping themselves. Mm. What, why have these councils I mean, got the same... so much money yeah. that they've sent someone out, they've paid someone to go out and chop down all these beautiful daffodils? Mm. Why are not they not spending that money? I'm sure there's people in that village that would need help with their heating bills, with yeah. so many bills that are coming going through the roof. Why are they not giving the money to the people yes. there? Why are they doing spending? Well, they could have at least if they're away. going to cut them down, made them into nice bouquets and given them to everybody in the town. I mean, that's what I would have done. I, wouldn't, was... I just wouldn't have cut them no, down. I wouldn't have 
cut them down. Ridiculous. Well, you might as well shoot all the cattle in case they have a stampede down the main high street and murder everybody and trample them it's, to death. It's the That's nanny, not going to happen either. Nanny state gone mad. <laughs> it's, it's true. Ridiculous it's ridiculous though. But it is, it, and you kind of like you're sitting there going, "I'm not really reading this. This is an April Fool's joke." Yes. Right? But the thing is, with it's April not. Fools, it's been going on for two years. People have been doing things that you think this cannot be real. This cannot make any sense no. it's got to stop no but you see instances of it everywhere you go yeah you know ludicrous i mean i get very irritable now when i come into work on the tube which i don't do a lot of but i come out of london bridge station and they've sectioned off one exit so you can't use it yeah. and i'm like every time why? i come up i'm like why can't i go out that way yeah well you have to go that way i said why what's the point well we just want the traffic to go that way i'm like well i want to go that way yeah you know why, why how why are you telling me which way i can walk I, you know, I, I'm done with being told what to do. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman, Michael. Please. And I am well aware of how to govern my life and govern my children's life. And yes. that's what we need to get back. That's what we lost in yeah. two years. And we need to get that back. The state, it should be a small state. It should be giving guidance, but it should not be governing our lives. Well, I don't know if you heard any of the show yesterday, but we, we got sent in a, a leaflet from NHS Hampshire um, in which they've got this new symbol, that. the COVID-0. What's now, that about? I don't know where that's come from. Nobody's explained it to us. We haven't had Chris Whitty stand up and say, oh, we're now pursuing a policy of COVID-0. In that document, it talks about outpatients going to hospital and what you have to be prepared to do. And it's got three symbols. One, wash your hands. Two, keep your distance. And three, wear a mask. And all of those things are no longer no. part of the law. I mean, many of them never were. But, you know, what's all that about? What's that all about? And how much, let's take it right back, how much was the cost to produce that leaflet? Yeah, well, I'm sure And why was that lot. leaflet not put into making sure that we get better nurses mm. and better doctors and get some staff? Yeah. Instead of, instead of frittering away. Yeah. They're frittering away on these stupid I had a things. guy the other day ringing for uh, some place which was laughably called the Rapid Heart Unit, where he was sent because he had a bit of a heart murmur. I heard murmur. this, yeah. And uh, didn't have any doctors uh, or receptionists <laughs> or telephonists. And therefore, they couldn't do anything rapidly. How rapid was that? It was not rapid at all, Unbelievable. in fact. And you're going... Every day we're finding other bits of the NHS which just aren't working. No, they're not. I mean, the the NHS is broken. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's actually ground to a halt. I'm not joking. I, I think you might be right. But the problem is, is I know some amazing nurses and I know some amazing doctors who are desperate to work. Mm. And it's the layers above them that are stopping them from working. Yeah. And there's just too much money going on diversity managers and middle management and big pharma operatives. Yeah. That money is being frittered away. Somebody needs to go in and restructure the NHS. And mm. I think Dr. Rene Hodekamp would be the woman to do the job. She would be great. I mean, we're still finding a lot of people who can't get to see a GP. They yeah. still can't get in to see a GP, never mind, you know, get an appointment to actually get an appointment. You, yeah. just, you just can't get through to them. Nobody knows how you're supposed to do that. Dentists are closing down the ranks of, of NHS patients, so you can't get your teeth fixed. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It is completely And Sajid bonkers. Javid gets up every time he gets up and gives an interview and says, well, you know, the NHS is something we should all be very proud of. Why? That's all he ever says. Yeah, I know. Why well, does he actually, say that? if you're so proud of it, it's like having a recalcitrant sort of, you know, criminally addicted child and you're very proud of it. Well, how about you fix the, the problem? But spending, and then you can be proud of them. But they're spending money in the wrong places. I mean, and you know how I feel. You know, they're now talking about vaccinating five-year-olds, who do not, five to 11-year-olds, who yeah. do not need this vaccination mm. at all. You know, children don't need this. But there's a phenomenal amount of money going into pushing it for children. Mm. 
and and giving it to children yeah. and all the staff that's needed and buying in all the vaccines all that money should be going into all the care that people haven't had for two years in particular cancer yeah. people young people if you're worried about young people mm. don't worry about a virus that's not going to affect them why not look make sure that they get the treatment they need for cancers and they can get to find the cancers early yeah. which so like you said you can't get an it's appointment 50 50 now. now whether they detect cancer stage one or two 50 50 that's, that's right? obscene isn't it? it's obscene yeah isn't it so and if they don't detect it in by stage two there's a pretty good chance you won't survive yeah but if they do you can live with it yes. and you can probably get it fixed and you can probably get it and it hasn't improved in six years well, it's Six got worse, actually. It's got worse. You know. It's got worse now. Because I know from... I, I mean, it's, it's touched me personally. My, I told you, my friend's daughter, she's 30 years old, mm. and she got started getting headaches at the beginning of, of the lockdown. And they were saying it was anxiety and it's all these other things and, you know, trying to phone the doctors, having consultations yeah. over the telephone, whatever. She has now an inoperable brain tumour, and she's 30 years Goodness old. Goodness me. That's and awful. you know, and, and, and so her life is over. Her mother's life is over. Anyone that touches her... We, you know, our lives are are, are lessened because mm. of this, because she couldn't get an appointment. Right. And yet the government is still send, spending money pushing vaccines for people. We now know that, you know, everyone's had COVID. Natural immunity is the best. Stop pumping money into COVID, into COVID vaccines, into COVID testing, yeah. and put it where it needs to be to save lives properly. Yeah, absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. We're going to take a little uh, break for a second because we're going to talk about calories. Mm -hmm. Just before I ate one of these lovely looking muffins, by the way. <laughs> uh, apparently they're going to put calories on the menu that you're going to be eating uh, so that you can judge whether or not uh, you want to have that particular dish. Really? I think I'm going to go to a restaurant soon and ask for uh, a rare burger uh, with a side of daffodils. What do you reckon? This is Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. This is, of course, the home of common sense, and that's why Tonya Buxton is here. Uh, I don't want to call you the matriarch of common sense, because that sounds a bit old. I, I, I'm angling for a damehood. Can I be the dame, dame of yes, common sense? Absolutely. Yeah. We had Claire Fox actually in doing... Um, uh, doing Plank of the Week yesterday. Yes. <laughs> and I said, it's the first time we've had a Baroness yes. doing Plank of the Week, and it was great. So we must get you back in there for, uh, I'd love for, to. for a go-round very soon. Let's talk before we have to stop um, about calories. Yes. Because okay, so from this is your business. Calories, restaurants, food... So from today, if you have, if you employ over 250 people in your restaurant, you have to display the calories either on the menu or online. Right. Now, it is a blunt tool. It is a blunt tool. And, and calories aren't always show how good the food, food is. You mm. know? So, you know, you can have low calories and it can just be full of, you know, chemicals and toxic yeah. stuff and not good for you. Right. And you can have high calories and it's actually full of great ingredients. So it is a blunt tool, mm. but it is at least a tool. And I think it so helps So you're not against people. it then? I'm not against it. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the kind of mental health and the charities that deal with people that have eating disorders say that it's going to make things worse. But, you know, if you are, if you, I have had way back when um, problems with food, you know, yeah. we, we all go through that when yeah, in our teens and early 20s. And I was counting calories all the time mm. anyway. It wouldn't have made it any worse. You mm. know, when you're in that state of mind, everything is, right. is there. And I suppose but it's I, better to see what it is rather than to try and work it I out. I don't think people realise often how how many extra calories go into some restaurant mm. foods. Right. Not mine, obviously. Mine is all great. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I can attest yeah. um, but, you know, you know, a lot of extra fat, salt, sugar, sugar in particular mm. is put into the food. And, and I think it makes you a little bit more aware. It might just make you a little bit more mindful. And the problem is, is we do have an uh, obesity epidemic here in yeah. Britain, and it's affecting our children. You know, yeah. and and 
as a parent, if you're out with your kids and you, you can maybe help your kids make better choices. Um, and it's a very middle class thing. Mm. I know it is. And, you know, most people will f don't even have that luxury. But I, I do think it might help. I don't think and I don't agree with the nanny state, as you know. Yes. So I don't want the government to tell me what I'm going to feed my children mm. and what I'm going to do. But if it gives me a little bit more knowledge and that's the thing we're missing yes. is a little bit more knowledge, I think it might help. So how does it work with the companies then? Because if you I mean, there's not I can't imagine there's that many restaurants. I don't know if I'm talking absolute rubbish here that employ that many people. There isn't. It's, I mean, the, it's the big kind Is it of for the big groups more yeah. than it is anything else? I think else? it's more for the big because groups. Because also, I think, I'm, am I right in saying that some of the some of the fast food places like McDonald's and Burger King have been doing this for a while? Yeah, that, some have. That, that some of them that, that I've been to where they'll suddenly say this many calories for yeah. that, you know, they'll we, do we, that. At the, at the Real Greek, we've had the calories on the menu for a long time. Okay. And, and, and some I've people, and, and Yeah, it's very small, but it's there. Too busy enjoying the food. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you can, so you can help make certain choices. If, you know, if one, if one dip, for example, is, is 500 calories and another one is 250 calories, you might think, well, you know what, I like them both the same. Yes. I'll go for the lighter one today. Right. And there are certain places that do fast food. I'm not going to name any names, but there's one place that makes milkshake mm. with, with uh, bacon bits in it. Mm. And I think that particular milkshake with bacon bits in it is 1,200 calories. Wow. Now, you know, you need to know that. Yes. Before you but order But you surely it. know that any kind of milkshake is going to be not great. But most people you. don't because if mm. you think, you they know, think it's, it's milk. It's got milk it's in milk it. It's milk or smoothies. Some of the things, some of the calories that are in smoothies are unbelievably high. Yes. So you think, well, I'm not going to have scrambled eggs on toast, for example. Right. I'll have a smoothie because it's healthier and mm. it's fruit. But actually, no, don't do that. Yeah. You know, so at least you have some choices there. I do agree it's a blunt tool. It's mm. not the answer but it, it, it's one of the tools that we can try and use yeah. to try and bring down the obesity yeah. crisis but the main main thing is educating people how to cook of course and just generally on restaurants and and, and the business of going out i mean london's obviously not a very good way of judging the rest of the country no. i was listening to somebody this morning who was saying you know if you're out in most parts of london now you would think covid just disappeared yeah because it's busy restaurants are full again it's hard yeah. to get reservations in some of them but in other parts of the country where people either one don't have that much money mm. or there aren't that many places to go they're still pretty quiet aren't they no i think i think some of the local restaurants um were busy throughout. I mean, if you go into some of the suburbs, yeah. um, they've been busy as, as quickly as they can be busy. Because okay. if you think you've got nowhere else to go but your local restaurant, mm. some of them are doing quite well. Um, so I think I think people are going back out and those that can afford it. The problem is now is it's going to be a money thing. It's nothing to do with COVID. Yeah. You know, if your electricity bills have gone up 50%, then you're not going to go out for dinner, are you? And, I mean, and also, as a restaurant, even if you're a small, particularly if you're a small independent restaurant, your electricity bills have gone through the roof. Through the um, roof. You're paying more uh, national insurance for your employees as and well. And the cost of getting—I mean, if, you, if you're if you're a restaurant that you know that deals with ingredients that are coming from abroad because that's the type of food that you're doing, yeah. you're having to pay the extra costs for that. And you know, most good restaurants are trying to kind of hold back the tide of you know putting those prices up mm. because they want people to be in, but it, it won't last forever. Right. And the supply chain problems continue, presumably as well. So you've yep. still got trouble finding people uh, to work for you. Yeah. But also finding the things that you need, you need to, to bring in. With. Absolutely. It's a it tough is. old business, isn't it? It is a tough old business, but all of this could have been avoided. Yeah. If someone with a brain and common sense had been at, right at the beginning of this mm. and decided, okay, let's do this first lockdown, see what happens. And then that should have been the last one. Yeah. If that had been 
we'd had just the one lockdown yeah. and then people got back, then we wouldn't be in this mess now. No, exactly right. And we'll see whether the COVID inquiry manages to find any truth. But if you do want to, we'll put out a, a link. We'll yes, figure it out we'll, between us, uh, either on Tonya's or my uh, Twitter. We will put out a link so that you can go and make your voice heard about certainly the children and the COVID inquiry. Well, there's lots but of, also any other things yes, that you want them to consider. Uh, there's a lot. It's the nudge, the mm-hmm. fear that people are still living with now, that's got to be looked at, the nudge, as Laura Dodsworth said, and also including children. Yes, quite right too. Tony, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon. Um, By the way, what a fantastic video last week, I should mention, when you were on the top (laughs) of that mountain in Kirchhoffel. Very Bond (laughs) girlish. Thank you. Which I may be accused of sexism. I don't care, Okay, This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are not sexist. Uh, We appreciate all beautiful things here. Uh, including what these muffins are. I'm going to have one during the news, I think, which is coming up next here on Talk Radio. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are, of course, the home of common sense. And what we try to do here uh, is we try to make sure that everywhere else common sense spreads. If you don't know what common sense is, there's a good chance you actually work for a local council somewhere because many local councils do not have any common sense whatsoever. To wit, one particular council in Cornwall. Uh, We were just talking about it there with Tonya Buxton. The St Blaise Council have decided in their wisdom down in Cornwall that daffodils are dangerous. In fact, they're so dangerous that they should not be allowed to grow anywhere near the ground. So what they've done is they've taken a scythe and possibly some scissors uh, and even some uh, pinking shears. They've taken basically a knife to cut down all of the daffodils in the council area. Why? Not because they don't like the colour yellow. Not because they're not keen on flowers. Not because of hay fever problems. No, they're worried that children who live in Cornwall might eat them. That's right. They're worried that children in Cornwall might eat daffodils. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got some children. Um, I've got four of them, actually. None of them have ever tried to eat flowers. Not one. And even if they did try to eat flowers, I would probably tell them at a pretty young age when they were trying to eat them that that was a bad idea. So that by the time they were out walking on their own, going to school, they would not simply think of picking up a daffodil and shoving it in their mouth and eating it and poisoning themselves, okay? By the same token, as I said, you might as well shoot all the cattle in Cornwall just in case they stampede down the high street and uh, stampede all over everybody and kill them. This is absolute madness. It is protectionism. It is nanny statism. It is exactly the kind of thing that we at the Home of Common Sense oppose. Why? Because it doesn't make any sense. For heaven's sake, St Blaise Council... Get a grip of yourselves, will you? Stop being stupid. Leave the daffodils alone. They look nice. They cheer people up. People enjoy looking at them. Nobody eats them. Okay? This is Talk Radio. Let's talk, uh, of course, to Kevin O'Sullivan, a man uh, who is imbued with as much common sense as you can get in a, a, a male adult human. I think that's what a man is. Kevin, a very good morning to you. Sorry, right. I just uh, finished eating a daffodil sandwich. What's happening with the world? It's gone crazy, hasn't it? Well, exactly. It's like I said, I mean, you might as well, you know, put a fence around every single part of Britain to stop people from falling off a cliff. You know, just yeah, don't I... go near the edge of the cliff. 
Yeah, I mean, it's risk averse uh, gone mad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really is. We've got plenty to talk about. Um, I know you talked about this a bit last night on your show, Channel 4's privatisation. I've never seen so much weeping and wailing from the old lefties uh, in my life. And I read out, I don't know if you listened yesterday to my show, I read out the schedule for Channel 4 yesterday, which was a mixture of, you know, um, Place in the Sun, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, you know, Frasier, Cheers, you know, um, Naked Bodies. Location, location. Location, you know, it was nothing to do with these, you know, minority shows which encourage the LGBT community to make films. It was nothing like that. It was all trash. I know. It has about two programmes that people actually watch, and that's uh, the Bake Off that, uh, rather outrageously, it's uh, sort of bought from the BBC, and uh, Gogglebox, which, uh, by the way, I I personally have always hated, but uh, people do like it. So that is the sum total of Channel 4's output that's popular. Uh, And if you are weeping, wailing, and going, oh, don't privatise Channel 4, it means two things. One, you either live in Islington or Hampstead and two you're a showbiz lovey because most people could not give a damn and what a ridiculous system uh, Channel 4 operates under anyway it is owned by the government the government gets nothing out of it uh, and at the end of every year uh, whatever money it might have made it plows back into production or gives to independent production companies well do it yourself do it yourself. Be a private business. And if you make programs that are popular, then you will be a successful company. And if you put on programs like you do right now that no one wants to watch, you'll go down the swanee. Quite right, too. The yeah. commercial imperative is very important in broadcast television. Also, uh, I can't remember anybody ever in the history of anything saying, I think it's a really good idea for the government to own this. I mean, the government can't even run the government, never mind running anything else. I mean, this this is historical. It goes back to 1982. To be fair, it was kind of Margaret Thatcher's idea. Let's set up an alternative commercial channel uh, which won't make its own programmes, but it will foster and encourage a kind of cottage industry of independent production companies to supply Channel 4. Now, that was in the days when there were three channels. So Channel 4 was the fourth. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to provide alternative viewing, different a different kind of television. We don't need that in t- 2022 because we've got about 600 channels. Mm. We don't need yeah. Channel 4 anymore. By all means, Channel 4, exist. Be a business. Uh, make popular programs, make a profit. But uh, the government owning it, ridiculous. So can I just say, I'm, I'm appalled by all these Tory MPs uh, like Damien Collins and Helen Grant and Jeremy uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt, all coming out to say, oh, we must not privatise Channel 4. You're Tories. You're Conservatives. You believe in privatisation. What on earth do they think they're saying? <laughs> this is socialism. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. Also, I heard some lefty on Julie Hartley Brewer's show this morning complaining about the fact that, uh, you know, certain programmes wouldn't be made if it wasn't for the fact that they were public service broadcasts, like, for example, you know, the David Attenborough Nature programmes, which is absolute rubbish because you're not telling me that, that they're not popular. They are popular. People like them. <laughs> Netflix could easily make them, uh, as could Amazon Prime, as could Disney, as could anybody else. You know, there's no way that you can really convince anyone anymore that certain programmes which people like could not be made commercially. 
Yeah, well, exactly. And I don't see the point of making programs that people don't want to watch. So they go, oh, well, you know, if you privatise it, they won't make these uh, niche programs, these kind of sideline programs that not many people want to watch, but a few people will want to watch. Well, sod the few people. Uh, make programs for the majority. Make programs that are popular. Mm. That's what television is all about. It's not the national theatre. It's not some high intellectual forum uh, for the brilliant and the brainy. It is uh, for the population. It's for the mass yeah. population of this country. Make programs that people want to watch and of course one of the reasons for all this chattering class weeping and wailing uh, is of course this is being seen the privatization of channel four is being seen as a shot a warning shot across the bowels of the bbc uh which also in my view should be privatized Again, make programs that people want to watch, then you will survive. If you carry on putting out the kind of garbage you're putting out right now, you won't last a second. Yeah. And why should we have to pay for an unpopular television channel? Yeah. Also, also don't play me, by the way, don't play me reruns of Cheers uh, and The Simpsons and tell me that you're on the cutting edge of diversity um, and minority programming, because you yeah, ain't. Well, Mike, Mike, look, if we privatise Channel 4... We could lose quality programs like Naked Attraction, which is full of nude people no. uh, that uh, people look at uh, their privates to decide whether or not they want to go out with. It's very highbrow. So highbrow. So daring. We'll lose Open House, the great sex experiment. I mean, we can't do without these programs. The idea that Channel Four is a purveyor of quality television is absolute rubbish. Mm. It churns out the same crap as the rest of the channels. Absolutely. Uh, so don't tell me Channel 4 is a haven of television brilliance. It just isn't. It makes programmes that no one wants to watch. And I see, by the way, talking about these publicly owned companies, uh, television companies, uh, that uh, the BBC is getting rid of its £267,000 a year <laughs> diversity <laughs> officer, Chief uh, June Sarpong. Uh, uh, that could be a portent of better days to yes. come. Yes. I mean, she was only doing three days a week. Maybe it's too much for her. Yeah, when it came in, it worked out at £1,700 a day. Yeah. And per capita, she was on more than the director general, Tim <laughs> Davies. So and there was something ridiculous about that. But I think at the BBC, uh, there is a chill wind blowing through that place. Well, there's a lot of people leaving, aren't there? All these stars leaving, uh, I think what they've done is they've gone in for their annual, uh, can I have another uh, £300,000 a year this uh, year? And can I uh, present this programme? And can I do that? No, yeah. you can't. Oh, right, I'm leaving then. Uh, so in other words, the gravy chain at the BBC is beginning uh, to hit the buffers. Right. And I think I think the June Sarpong situation is the BBC is trying to get rid of its reams of bureaucracy because that won't look very good uh, when it comes to uh, reapplying for its royal charter and the ability to charge yeah. us the outrageous sum of 159 quid a year compulsorily for the Beeb. Exactly right. Now, uh, one final thing, uh, Jimmy Savile. Apparently, uh, Prince Charles thought it was a great idea when things were going a bit wrong for the Palace PR machine, uh, when Fergie and Andrew were going through some difficulties. There's a bit of toe-sucking going on. Uh, there was <laughs> Diana uh, and the kind of uh, the various men in her life. He decided to go for some advice. Who did he go to? Uh, Jimmy, the great Jimmy Savile. <laughs> he, he said, Jim, can you fix this for me? <laughs> uh, I mean, ridiculous. I mean, Prince Charles is very, very lucky 
uh, that he has a brother called Prince Andrew. Otherwise, we'd all be focusing on Prince Charles as the idiot of the royal family. Right. But uh, he's nowhere near as big an idiot as uh, Prince Andrew. Uh, but Prince Charles, it's, it's a forgotten facet of history that he was very close to Jimmy Savile. To be fair, so was Margaret Thatcher. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, Prince Charles, uh, when he was worried about the image of the royal family, went to Jimmy Savile and said, where should I visit? Where would it look good for me to go? What can I do about Fergie and uh, Andrew? Uh, give me your wise advice. Jimmy Savile, uh, raper of children, mass paedophile, groomer of dead bodies, a vile, vile person that Prince Charles could not see through. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. We'll see you at, 10, at 7 o'clock tonight. Kevin O'Sullivan back here on Talk Radio on the airways, 7 till 10, Monday to Friday. Uh, always a good listen. Go there and don't miss a second of it. Uh, we've also got, of course, Christo in for Jeremy Carl at 4. Ian Collins uh, here from 1 o'clock. We've got much more to do. Uh, we'll take more of your calls as well, of course. Uh, 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's on the very day, by the way, that everyone starts paying more national insurance to the government just to save the NHS. Now, we've been taking more calls today on the NHS and how it's failing most of the people that try to use it at the moment. So uh, whether you think any more money is going to actually help uh, would be absolutely incredible to know because I don't believe that any of this money, one, will either make it into the coffers of the NHS and two, even if it did, it would actually do any good because the problem at the NHS is not a financial one. The problem at the NHS is that very, very small parts of it work quite well. Most of it doesn't work at all. It's entirely broken. And it's nothing to do with COVID. It's got everything to do with the management system. It's got everything to do with the way that they are run. It's got everything to do uh, with an unbelievably cumbersome management organisation, which has got more managers than it's got doctors and nurses. And it's just simply not fit for purpose. And it needs to change. Nobody's going to change it, of course, because it's a national religion. And everybody's very, very proud of it, including Sanjeev Javid, the Secretary of State for Health. Well, I would be proud of it too, if it did things that it was supposed to do. Well, there's many people talking to me now and have been for the last week or so uh, telling us why it's not working, how difficult it is to get an appointment, how difficult it is to even see a doctor still in this day and age. Coming up, though, in this hour, we've got lots more to do. We're going to be talking to Nigel Shepherd, uh, who's a top divorce lawyer, because today the divorce laws change. And we're going to find out exactly how that might affect you. No fault divorce has now been introduced into England and Wales. For those of you who've ever had the misfortune of going through a divorce, you'll know that not everybody is happy. Sometimes nobody is happy. And the whole point of all of this is to make sure that whatever happens and whoever is unhappy, at least the children, if there are children, uh, are relatively well looked after and relatively well treated. And no parent is able to in any way poison the minds of those children about the other. And that would be a good thing if it could happen. Let's find out from Nigel whether that's the case. Donna Harvey's going to join us as well with her view from the other side of the pond. She's in San Diego, California. Of course, she'll bring us up to date with everything that is going on uh, over there in the US of A. We'll also take your calls, of course. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So there'll be many people listening to this show um, who have been through a divorce. Some of you might have even um, been through a divorce recently. Some of you might have had a good experience with lawyers. Some of you might have had a bad experience with lawyers. I certainly know uh, plenty of people um, who came to me when they were in, in the sort of on the brink of getting divorced and having gone to see a lawyer. Uh, they said, "Well, I can either give all of my money away to my ex-wife, or I can give it all to the lawyer." 
Um, either way, I'm not going to end up with very much. Let's talk to Nigel Shepherd and see whether much of this has changed. He's at Mills and Reeve. Nigel, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. This is a story um, which a lot of people will want to know the sort of the, 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 the basic necessities about because many people are affected by this. You know, we're still running at about a 50% divorce rate, I think I'm right in saying. What actually changes today? Well, for the first time, we've moved away from a, a mixture of uh, blame grounds for divorce and separation. Uh, before today, if you wanted a divorce, you had to show that your marriage had broken down. Right. But the way you did that, if you didn't want to wait for at least two years and maybe five years, was for one person to blame the other. That's all been swept away. And from today, it will be a notification that one, or for the first time, importantly, both parties to the marriage believe it's broken down. You'll then have a wait for six months. And if you're still of that view at the end of it, the divorce will happen. Right. And so should that then make it cheaper? The d- divorce process itself isn't really where expense comes in. It tends to be where there's arguments about money or children. Right. But what this will what this will do, Mike, is it will create a much better atmosphere for those discussions about money and children. Instead of su- starting off on the wrong foot with blame and recrimination, people can be helped to look forwards and to be helped to sort out those finances with a minimum distress and cost. That's the objective. Yes. And it's also the objective that we don't have to end up in a court of law at some point or other. I mean, can it be done without having to go to a court? Well, Members of Resolution, the organisation that I'm proud to be a member of, um, we're committed to a code of practice which says we need to help people through this. Part of that is staying out of court wherever possible. The divorce process itself will mostly be online now, Mike. Um, And so uh, it's it's the money and the children that we're trying to find a way through. So we're encouraging people to mediate to use collaborative practice, uh, just to talk about it, to try and find a solution. In most cases, as an answer. You don't want to be arguing about it unnecessarily. No, but I mean, you'll know probably better than anybody, Nigel. I mean, I've only been divorced once. You've probably dealt with a lot more uh, divorce cases than that. Um, it's often not a particularly, uh, shall we say, um, logical place to be. You know, when people are getting divorced, they tend not to be themselves. They tend to be under a lot of pressure, sometimes economic pressure, sometimes, you know, just mental anxiety you know they're worried about the future they're worried that uh, you know whoever it is that they're getting divorced from won't stick to the bargain you know there's all manner of movable parts really yeah it could be a really difficult time um there's some people who are saying this new process will make divorce easier i don't think it's ever easy for people no. um, so a lot of heartache goes into it but what the previous process did was made it harder um, because it set people off on the wrong foot, it, it encouraged them to blame each other and could derail even people who wanted to go um, amicably. It could derail that. So when you're mediating or helping them through it, uh, you were doing it with one hand tied behind your back. So this is a long overdue change and it, it'll help thousands of people in the future just have a more dignified divorce process. Right. And will it also have an effect on the amount of time spent apart, if you like? Because I know in the old system, I think if you weren't able to uh, find somebody to blame or to get somebody to accept the blame, you had to then spend two years apart before you could get divorced, which for a lot of couples isn't practicable, is it? No, people just really couldn't put their lives on hold. And the two years, in fact, was only where the other person 
to the divorce was consenting. Otherwise, you could be made to wait five years, right. um, which is just ludicrous. The idea that a marriage that's over could be held together by a legal process that, that, that kept you manacled for five years was preposterous. And so we've lost that. The new process will take six months. Um, it actually will take longer than most of the previous divorces under the old system, which could be through in two or three months. Mm. Um, but that six-month period is important, I think, to give people a chance to help sort things out. Yes, because a lot of people I've heard stories of uh, having to live under the same roof uh, in a house which might not be quite big enough for that um, with the person that they are leaving effectively, which which must be must be hell on earth. Yeah, I mean, if you can't move out and you're stuck there, not only can't you move out, but you can't move on. Mm. Um, this new process will allow you to stay in the house together um, if that's a necessity. It won't block the divorce. Um, but obviously most people would prefer to be in separate houses if they can afford to do so. Not everybody can. Yeah. And does this law change make a difference to the, the, the perspective of the child or any children in the divorce? I mean, are they taken um, more seriously, less seriously? Is their view taken into account at all? The law around children remains unchanged. Um, what, what this new process does is just change the way that you get a divorce. Right. Uh, but you're absolutely right. What it will do, because it will help reduce the temperature, it will help people focus, hopefully, on their children and the arrangements. Because at the end of the day, what you're hoping is that people can move forward with their lives. Um, for the most part, um, they'll want to co-parent effectively together. That's made much more difficult if you start the process off by slinging mud. Yeah. Oh, no question. And as far as the, um, uh, the sort of the, the, the cooling off period goes and, and even later on, because I also know of people who have got divorced and made a financial settlement and then um, somebody's come back for more money uh, later in the day. If it's a no fault divorce rather than a blame divorce, does that change that as well? No, that, that remains unchanged. I mean, even under the previous law, uh, the reason for the divorce made no difference to the financial arrangements. Um, it had no impact, which is part of the reason why it was sort of legally and intellectually dishonest. It, mm. made, it made no difference. So that doesn't change. The objective is still to try and find a solution that uh, that allows both parents and their, their children um, to be as comfortable as possible when they're separated going forward. Right. And I was reading this morning that this has taken a long time coming, hasn't it? Because people have been asking for a change in the law for a while, a couple of decades, actually. And it was only really in 2018 that the Supreme Court asked the Parliament to, to revisit it. Why did it take so long? Well, I've been campaigning for this uh, through resolution for the best part of 30 years. Right. We did actually have an Act of Parliament in the mid-90s that would have introduced it, but it was overly complex and it got shelved. And so resolution kept on campaigning. Um, you're right, there was a, the, the case of Owens that you've referred to in the Supreme Court was a really important catalyst. Here was a woman that uh, went for a behaviour divorce under the old system. Her husband defended it. The court didn't feel able to grant her the divorce. Um, and when it went through the appeal process, this just this just highlighted the need for reform. And that was a, a major factor in the government taking action. Mm, excellent. And so, I mean, as far as the law goes at the moment, I talk to lawyers quite a lot about many other things. And they tell me there's a massive backlog of cases in almost all courts in the land. Is that the same uh, in divorce cases? If you are trying to get divorced and you need to go to court, is there a waiting list for that? Yeah, if you have to go to court to sort out finances and children, sadly, um, there, there is 
a long wait, which is why it's so important and why, you know, resolution members try to encourage this. It's so important to try and reach an out-of-court settlement. Most cases don't end up in court. They don't need to for the most of the time. There's normally an answer. Our role as family lawyers and other professionals working in this field is to try and help people get to that in the best way possible. Right. And so today's sort of breakthrough, if you like, because it seems if you've been fighting for something for 30 years, Nigel, I'd take my hat off to you because that's, uh, that's certainly some hard going, some hard yards. Um, do you expect to see a, a, a sort of immediate effect of this? What do you think will, will we see in the coming weeks? Um, I think a lot of people have been waiting. Um, for this um, so that they could do this in a more dignified way. So I think there's going to be a a bit of a rush, um, but that'll settle down. All the research from other countries that have introduced this have shown that there's a blip whilst people have been waiting, but then then it settles down, doesn't impact upon the divorce rate. Mm. I think the most important consequence is just the reduction in that temperature. It'll just help people start off on the right foot rather than blaming each other and and that getting in the way of everything else they need to achieve. And finally, will this have any effect on those couples who don't actually get married? Because, again, we all know people who have split up, um, but because they were never actually formally married, it's a much more tricky situation in terms of trying to uh, get equity from maybe a house or from, um, mm. you know, somebody's estate or to try and get money um, from, the, from the partner that you're leaving, if that's what you require, if there are children involved. Because that's still, a, for me, that's a bit of a weakness in the system. It's absolutely a weakness in the system, Mike. Um, we've been campaigning for that alongside no-fault divorce. Um, now that we've got no-fault divorce over the line, we'll be um, reinvigorating our campaign for greater protection for cohabiting couples. Mm. There's a lot of understanding about it. People think there's such a thing as a marriage. Um, that's a myth. There isn't. Some people can be left really financially vulnerable um, as a result of the current law. And that needs to change. And and we'll be fighting for that as well. Well, perhaps we we should talk about that at some point in the future. Nigel, thank you very much indeed. Nigel Shepherd, solicitor and consultant at Mills and Reeve, uh, family law specialist. There is a problem. And I'm sure there'll be many of you out there who have found this to be a problem, who have suffered perhaps from it. um, In that if you live together and you never get married and you could have lived together for seven, eight, 10, 15 years even, um, the person um, who, I suppose, if it's the, the main earner of the family happens to be a man or if it happens to be a woman, the other part of that partnership has no real rights to any of the money. And if the person who uh, is left perhaps bringing up the child needs support from the, the person who's supposed to give them that support, there is no guarantee that that will come other than the ridiculous sort of statutory thing um, of what used to be the CSA. So if you've had problems there, we'd love to hear from you because... As much as there's now no-fault divorce and it should make amicable divorce easier, I think anyone who knows anything about divorce knows that it ain't very easy. Uh, And if you've never been married and you're splitting up, it's even more difficult. So we've got time to take some calls on that as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.